So when I heard that I was scheduled to uh, talk about salt and light, the uh, science teacher in me was like, hooray, I get to bring out my um, science jokes <laughs> and do like science type of stuff. So, um, so I'll start with one. Did you want to hear a joke about sodium? And you guys are like, nah. Okay. Okay, well. <laughs> I, I will tell a joke about sodium and our sodium chloride, though. But I have to warn you, it's very salty. <laughs> All right. Anyone a chemistry major out here? Okay. Great, great. Um, I was a physics teacher back for, for, for those of you one. I was, was a physics teacher, science teacher, um, physical science, and so uh, I enjoy these kinds of things. <laughs> um, but just so, because we are talking about salt and light, and um, just before we get into the passages, I want us to really appreciate what salt is. Okay, um, when you think about, it, I mean, salt. Probably most of us who've uh, took chemistry at some point um, know that salt is a combination of two elements. Okay, first element is sodium, and when you think about it, it's really quite amazing that uh, when you, that this element of sodium by itself is a metal. Okay, if you've never seen sodium, it's a metal. Um, just looks like that. And it's a highly reactive metal, which means that when you place it in contact with water, um, it ignites, it burns. And if you put it in enough water, put enough sodium in enough water, it will literally explode, like what you see there. Okay? Um, when I was a science teacher, I, I set off a few, more than a few fire alarms <laughs> when doing this, this demonstration. Because you're always like, you know, the students are always egging you on. It's like, put more in, put more in. <laughs> it's like, okay, and then... Oh, great. <laughs> um, now, chlorine, uh, which is the other element that makes up uh, salt, is a, a poisonous gas. Um, it was one of the first chemicals used in chemical warfare. And so this is just a picture of they're doing a demonstration or a test to see how they would actually clean up if they had a real chlorine spill. Okay, so that is the actual chlorine gas, like about 10 tons worth of chlorine gas uh, coming out from that, that thing. But when you put these two very dangerous, very reactive, like very dangerous elements together, you get something that most of us eat too much of, okay? And it's just salt. And it looks completely different than, than what um, the, the constituent elements are, okay? Um, now, salt is something that, you know, even though probably those, the listeners who are hearing uh, Jesus speak about this, you know, they weren't thinking in terms of sodium and chloride together. Um, but I do appreciate how in Scripture news that, that what we know, you know, we can understand things and try to understand how the listeners at the time would have understood uh, what Jesus is speaking. Um, but at the same time, there's always some greater depth, too, that as we learn more about how things work, how this world works, that we can actually gain a deeper appreciation also of, of what Scripture is um, is saying here, and I hope we can explore that a little bit more um, over the course of today. Now, the listeners who are hearing Jesus speak his message would be very familiar with salt, uh, because 
uh, Israel um, is a very prime source of, of salt, and a lot of it comes from the Dead Sea. Um, has anyone ever been to the Dead Sea, the actual taking a tour, visited there? Okay, that's something I would hope to, to do one of these days um, as well. The Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because of the high concentration of, of minerals um, and, and other stuff that's, that's in it. Um, it is so concentrated with the minerals that the buoyancy that, you know, if you're lying in there, you will you float a lot higher than you would in, in normal water. Okay? And, and salt is, um, makes up a big part of, of that, um, the mineral co- uh, concentrate in there, such that there are regions where along the shores you'll see these salt formations um, formed after the water uh, has evaporated and left the deposits of those minerals, um, including the salt that's there. So the listeners who are hearing Jesus speak his message, which we'll get into uh, very shortly, um, would be very familiar with salt. Okay, it's it's something that they are um, uh, greatly familiar with. Now, what do you do with salt? It's probably two main functions that that um, that we today use, and same as uh, uh, those in the biblical times used for salt. What's the first function? Seasoning. Okay, flavor. Okay, salt provides a flavor um, uh, to food. We call food savory. Uh, you know, savory foods are, are salty. Um, my daughter, unfortunately, uh, has a very salty tooth. She just, she just, she gets way too much salt. Um, you know, like, you have food, you have, like, those, the, the Japanese, the sprinkle stuff. She just wants that on everything. And it's, uh, I'm worried about her. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Now, what's the second purpose for salt? Okay. Preserve or drying food. Okay, yes. Salt has a property where when you put it into foods, such as meats and other uh, types of food, it will preserve it. Um, back in the, the, the days, um, they didn't have freezers and refrigerators. So in order to allow food to, to last longer, um, they needed to, they would put salt into it. So you get the salted meats and, you know, today we have like the jerkies and, and those types of foods. Right? With the salt that's in it, preserves the food and allows it to be, still be good and edible for, you know, something months, months later. Okay? So there's a very important purpose to, to salt. It was a very, very valuable uh, commodity um, at the time. Um, and even in, in Scripture, it talks about the importance of salt. Uh, in the book of Leviticus, I don't have it on the screen here, um, God commanded the Israelites to season all your grain offerings uh, with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. For that purpose, there is this thing called the covenant of the salt, where the salt was an essential part of the offerings, the sacrificial offerings that the Israelites would offer to God um, as atonement for uh, for their sins. So even in the, the Old Testament times, that salt was an extremely uh, valuable um, source. So we get into our passage uh, for today, which is Matthew uh, 5, um, starting verses 13 to 16. And Jesus says to those uh, who are listening, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray as we look into this passage. Father God, we ask for your mercies and your blessings upon us as we look into your word, as we um, examine what it says to us um, individually as well as a body. Um, we ask that your spirit may um, open our eyes and enlighten us uh, through your through um, your scriptures today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's look at the first word in this, okay? Jesus told his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. And in English, it's, it's when we translate this in English, you know, we don't quite get the full meaning of, of this, okay? Because it's just you, okay? But when you look into the, the original text, the, the you here in this passage is significant because it refers to a plural, okay? You is a plural um, thing. And so to help us to better understand to, and see this, um, let's turn to the y'all version of the Bible, where, so instead of every time when it says you as a plural, it translates it as y'all, Okay. <laughs> This is a real thing. You can go up to the site, yallversion.com, and you'll see it. There's even a, an alternative is the use version, the <laughs> translation. Okay? But wait, every time in this passage where it says you are, it actually is referring to you all. Okay, you all. Um, so it's, the point here is that Jesus' message was meant to be heard while the listener was surrounded by the other uh, disciples. His message here to us is not about being salt and light in isolation, um, but it is about being the communal impact of the body of believers together that they will have upon this world. So when we are salt and light, it is together where our impact, where the, the difference, where the function um, um, will be made known. Okay? Like an individual grain of salt, you, know, you, put it on your, you could taste it, but it doesn't really do too much. But when you have like a whole spoonful or a whole bowlful or something, you know, that then has a huge punch. That, that can really make a difference, has potency. Um, in the same way, uh, when, he's, when Jesus talks about you are the light of the world, again, it's a plural thing. And that's why when, we talk about, when he talks about a city, okay, a city is made up of, you know, a lot of lights all together. It's not just about any one individual light that, that where the city, that gives the city its visibility, but it's the combined sum of the intensity of all those lights together. That's what makes a city um, so uh, conspicuous, um, especially when it's on a hill. So you is plural. We're, it's Jesus referring to the communal body of believers. Second word, you are the salt and light of the world, okay? Um, and here, the R is, the, this, this term that's used here refers to the fact that you are, you are is present reality. That it's not that you will become the salt and light of the earth, but that even those who are listening to what Jesus is speaking right at that moment, they already were. They already are the salt and light of the earth, Okay? And it's interesting to note here that this message that Jesus is giving, um, you know, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, this Matthew 5 passage that we've been looking into, this is one of the 
earliest of Jesus' messages to his disciples. Okay, this is one of near the very, very beginning of his ministry. It's not like after um, he's already spent three years with his disciples. Um, the theologian Charles Spurgeon um, makes a good, good point here, uh, where he notes that Jesus gave these, disciples, these followers the titles of salt and light, not after he had educated them for three years, but at almost the outset of his ministry. So what we get from here this is that it wasn't on account of what these disciples or what these followers knew or what they had done already at this point that made them the salt and light. They already were. They already had that attribute. They are, it's account of what they were, and actually more important, it's account of what God has done to them. That is why they are salt and light. And so the thing we can get from this is that when Jesus calls us salt and light, encouragement to us is that it's Jesus who makes us the salt and light. It's Jesus who gives us that savoriness, that function, that, that, um, that importance where we can have that, make that difference in this world. We don't have to be going through seminary or going through um, uh, years of inductive Bible study. Those are good things. Those can be positive. They can help with their impact that you have. But you just simply as a believer and accepting Christ in your life have already have that, that ability, that, that nature of being salt and light, of being able to make an impact. And then more so, it's not, again, not just us as individuals, but together as a corporate body. When we are gathered together here and worshiping God together and going out into the community and doing the things that we do as a body that's where we are making an impact, and we are doing that already, and God can do that to us, through us already, just the way that we are. Okay, so in the passage, the thing, parts in this passage that um, are a bit, are more difficult uh, for us is when Jesus talks about salt losing its saltiness, okay? Um, how can salt lose its saltiness? Now, here's where we can get the sense where as salt, you know, if, if those are done like a chemistry or from a chemistry perspective, you can't make salt not salty. It, it is salty. Sodium chloride as a, as a compound is salty. If it's not salty, it's no longer salt. It's not salt anymore, okay? So what Jesus is saying here is, in, in a sense, an absurdity. It's an impossibility for salt to lose um, its saltiness. Now, there are um, a few uh, uh, interpretations of this passage that, um, that can be considered. One is where um, that when you have salt or when people buy salt, it comes in the form of these rocks or, or ores, um, and there is um, source potential for it. There can be not really salt. Okay, where they may have a little bit of salt, but that salt kind of just, you know, through humidity, kind of leaches out, and it's no longer salty anymore. But it wasn't really salt to begin with. That, that's one in, interpretation that uh, some commentators have raised. Um, the other one is that uh, the possibility of where salt gets um, uh, corrupted or, um, what's the word I'm thinking, contaminated. Okay, that you have salt, but when you mix in other stuff, you know, with it, then it's no longer salty and no longer can do um, the function that it has before. But I think what 
Uh, and I think that's, that's probably more where I lean in terms of uh, interpreting for this passage. The idea that, we, if that salt gets contaminated with other things so that it loses its ability to do the function that it was um, designed to do. Okay? Um, but I think let's go look into light, the second part of uh, the passage. Where Jesus says that we are the light of this world. Um, again, it's we, you, y'all, as a corporate body, are the light of the world, and that you are right now the light of the world. Not, not that you will become, but you are the light of the world. Why is it that Jesus can say to, his, to, to those who are listening you know, from the beginning that you are the light of the world? And the reason is because it is not anything within themselves that they've done or that the listeners have done or that we have done that makes us the light. It is solely through the work of God in them. Um, that they are the light of the world. In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4, Paul kind of explains this when he says that for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Okay. Um, again, I like what the theologian Charles Spurgeon says um, in this passage, that genuine faith in Christ turns a man from darkness to marvelous light and transforms him into light in the Lord. His aims and objects, his desires, his speech, his actions become full of divine light, which illuminates all the chambers of his mind and pours forth from the windows so as to be seen of men. And I think we can take heart in this um, in a sense that... We're not trying to make God or to shine ourselves. We're not trying to generate this light within ourselves. Um, that this light is, comes from, from God. And that what we have, our, our task is to simply let it come out. Let it shine forth as God um, intended um, C.S. Lewis is one of my, well, probably is my favorite author, and he um, makes this, uh, I think, rather profound description analogy uh, for this, um, where he says, it is easy to acknowledge, but almost impossible to realize for long that we are mirrors whose brightness, if we are bright, is wholly derived from the sun that shines upon us. And if you think about that, that really works well here, that a mirror by itself does not generate its own light. It merely reflects the light that is shining upon it. And so in this case of the sun, and the sun is very bright, and so the mirror is bright because of the light of the, because it's reflecting the light of, um, of the sun. Okay. And um, there's another quote that uh, is often attributed to C.S. Lewis, but actually isn't. Um, so, so when you see those memes you know, those means where people post quotes that attribute it to famous people just so that it gets shared more, okay? If you see this, let them know it's not C.S. Lewis. Um, it's still a good quote, though, okay? Um, but it says, don't shine so that others can see you, shine so that through you others can see him, okay? Again, it's letting that light of God shine through you such that that's what, what people see, not yourself. So I wanted to try this uh, to use this a little analogy. Um, here's the science teacher part of me. 
trying to do a little experiment, okay? So I just jury-rigged this together like, like this morning. I don't know if it'll work or not, but we'll see. Um, so it's just a little container. I'm going to pour some water in here. I should unscrew this. <laughs> I wish I had some sodium. That, that'd be great. I know. <laughs> I don't think they would allow that. Um, but this is just, just some water that I'm going to pour in here. Okay, so this represents, this container represents our body, this water in here, and it actually works really well since, um, uh, as you may know, like our body is about like 70% water, so up for this about 70%-ish. So that's our body. That's, that's right there, okay? And we, as believers, okay, have the light of Christ shining through us. <laughs> okay? So, that's our job. It's not we. That light is not from within ourselves. It's not doesn't come from us. We didn't provide it. But as believers, we have Christ in us, the knowledge of Christ in us, and that is the light. And our job is to simply let that light uh, shine through um, to others. Now, the thing is that the things of this world can sometimes cause us to start to obscure that light. Okay, there may be situations where we may want to. Uh, we may try to hide the light. Um, my uh, the, uh, my son recently had a um, uh, a birthday party, and we did like laser tagging. We wanted to do laser tag, so we, we took him laser tagging. Um, have you never been laser tagging? Anyone never gone laser tag before? Oh, we gotta give you a try <laughs> at it. Okay, now if you've done laser tag, and there was like there's sometimes there's there's people who cheat. You know, and you know they try to cover. So in laser tag, you have these vests with these lights on it, and when you get shot on the the sensors, those those lights are the sensors. So when you get shot there, then the other team gets gets points. Okay, so sometimes people try to cheat by covering the sensors so they can't get shot. I know cheaters, cheaters. Okay, I always try to go after them. Like <laughs> cheaters never win. Okay, um, but think about that. It, have there been situations where we have gone into or gone into situations where we want to try to hide the fact that, that we have this light within us, to cover it up, to mask it up, um, so that we don't become targets of others, others who may not appreciate, who may not like the light, who may not like this light being shone on them or in, in the situation that, um, that they're in? Another situation where um, is is result of maybe sin, okay? That sin in our lives can, you know, perhaps start clouding things up. Um, it can start as we let sin take a hold in our life. That can block, um, start to block the light of Christ from coming through as clearly as it did before. Some red. Maybe it can be pride, um, where instead of letting the light of Christ shine through, we want people to see us, you know, see the things that we are doing and acknowledge that we would prefer, we want people to acknowledge us as being great um, and just take away from, uh, from, from the light of God. And as those things start to work in our bodies, it can start to obscure the light 
uh, that's in us, that the once clear vessel that we had that God gave us becomes cloudy and murky and, and dark. Um, as we let those things of this world cloud the light of Christ in us. And I wish I had a light that wasn't as bright. <laughs> but I think you guys can get the, get the, the, get the imagery here. Um, in that situation, you know, I mean, we're, there is nothing that we can do to clean us up. And kind of in the same way that that this light of Christ is not um, from us, um, that the healing also doesn't have to come from us or doesn't come from us. Um, that as and leave us instead, what we need then is to come before God again and say, you know, we've, I've messed up. I've let this light um, get clouded. I've let this light get obscured. I'm because of what I've done, you're no, I'm no longer um, revealing your light in my life. And we ask God to come into your lives again and to try to clean us and to restore um, that vessel that we once were so that we can let God's light shine through once more. It's not instantaneous. Um <laughs> But if we allow God to work in our lives, he will restore us back. Let me let that go. And let me finish with uh, one last quote from, uh, from, from Lewis here. Okay. Um, he's talking about the difference between with Christians and non-Christians. And the earlier part of the passage, or the the book that he's talking about here says, Christian is in a different position from other people who are trying to be good. They hope by being good to please God if there is one, or if they think there is not, at least they hope to deserve approval from good men. But here's the part. But the Christian thinks any good he does comes from the Christ life inside him. He does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a greenhouse does not attract the sun because it is bright, but becomes bright because the shine, sun shines on it. Okay. And as we allow God to come back into our lives and cleans us, um, he restores that, that body that once was all clouded and murky from, um, from him so that we can shine through again. The light of Christ shines within us, dwells within us. By allowing his light to shine in our lives, we bring his light to the dark world around us. May we allow the light of Christ to shine right through us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this light um, that is from your son, Jesus Christ. We know that um, through your words that we, we, we may consider and, and think about what it is in our lives that may be clouding um, this light from preventing this light from shining through as clearly as it should. We um, ask for your spirit to speak to each one of us personally so that, um, that you may restore us so that we together uh, can really shine bright and make a difference and make an impact on this world. Um, not because of what we do ourselves um, or because of um, what we um, can accomplish, um, but solely because of what you do. Uh, 
um, because of your strength and your power and your glory. Um, and may that those who see us see that. Help us to just get out of the way um, so that your glory may truly shine through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.